Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What does a short-sighted detective wear? Uh, in spectacles? A great question, but no. Suspectacles. Ah, that was an answer and not a question. It's spoop hour. <laughs> <laughs> Recording on our usual Sunday, and still I'm a mess, so that's fine. Tell me the other joke that we didn't go with, but still made me laugh really hard. <laughs> Sasha really liked it. We wanted to save the bluer one for after the theme music. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a constipated detective? I don't know what. A no shit Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. I just love scatological humor. She does. But yesterday, and I'll get into this in more detail soon, but we were in the parking lot after mm-hmm. our second escape room that didn't go very well, and my friend, and it's her birthday, um, my friend was really upset about it, and then I was, my stomach was like feeling a little funny when we were in there, and so I needed to fart, and so I just let one rip while she was like angrily ranting. Oh no. And then I went, and she, she and our, my other friend looked at me like in shock, and then I went, who sat on a duck? And then they both started <laughs> laughing and it was able to like diffuse oh, the situation. Bless. It was amazing. amazing. The power of farts. <laughs> Welcome back to Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. I'm Sasha. I'm Courtney. And as always, find us on the internet. Yes. Shout at us. Nice things. Shout nice things at us. I mean, you can shout mean things, too, but I'll just make sure Sasha doesn't see it. Like, try to direct your hate at me, because I have a deep well of saltiness inside of me where I put all complaints, and then I put a tight, heavy lid on that saltiness, and I smush it down with my smusher downer, and we're good. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like a normal, brining. healthy like You're brining or pickling something in there. Yes, I am pickling my soul. Um, we recently did a giveaway, and I said we would announce the winner of our giveaway at the end of February, but then I realized the end of February was on a Saturday, which is not a Tuesday. So, congratulations, Nora, who is the recipient of our t-shirt. She donated to Australian Wildfire Relief, and now she's going to get a Spook Hour t-shirt. So, Nora, I'm going to be in your DMs shortly. Is this the same Nora? It sure is. Nora also drew us a picture, and so, like... It's you know, so good. She's not winning because she drew us it's the picture. It's just she is winning. to be. And, and she drew us She drew us this really cute picture. It's on our Instagram. But she did, I guess it's called, I guess it would be fan art. It would be fan art. But she drew us a little Yeti who's doing the Chekhov's gun thing. And the way he's doing the Chekhov's gun thing is the way I do the Chekhov's gun thing. So Nora, before I give you your t-shirt, I'm going to need to know where you hid the camera in the podsmith. And then there's a little Mothman who's reading Sasha's autobiography about being scared of everything. And then there's a little Jackalope saying, whoops among us. It's so good. It's so Nora, good. Thank Nora, thank you so much. Thank you. Spoop our shirt. Enjoy it.
Yeah, it's just so excellent. So yeah, follow us on Instagram at yes. Spoop Hour so you can see it. Follow us on Twitter at Spoop Hour. And then email us at Spoop at gmail.com if you have any like spooky stories yeah. or and really just want to like share something with us. We're not above begging. <laughs> Today our topic is unsolved mysteries. So if you, there's something that you want us to talk about after listening to this episode, you're like, wait, what about this one? Yeah. Please tell us. Yeah, slide into our DMs. It's fascinating. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. Also, it's March 3rd when you're listening to this. What does that mean, Sasha? It's Super Tuesday! <laughs> Sorry for a second. <laughs> this was what no, you wanted. No, this is what I wanted. No, but I was also like, it's a teacher work day. Hey! <laughs> because love that. Because all of our schools are being used as polling places. We live in Virginia, which is a Super Tuesday state. I say state. We're a commonwealth, but we're included in the fun. It's fine. Yeah. So if you are in a listener from... Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. Hey! Uh, please, please, please vote in Super Tuesday. Go yeah. do your part. Send us selfies with your I Voted stickers. You we'll know. send you some stickers back. Yeah. Send us a selfie with your I Voted stickers, and we will give you a sticker. We will give you a sticker. It's um, the easiest sticker you ever earned. Also, if our living in America, Samoa, you will have your caucus... That day? Oh, I didn't know they did a caucus. Yeah, they don't get to participate in the general election. That makes sense. But they do have a caucus. And then, also, the, if you live abroad and you're a Democrat living outside the United States, you can begin voting on March 3rd and it ends on March 10th. So That makes sense. I imagine it's a must-be-postmarked-by situation. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. So... Yeah. Also, before you vote, make sure that you look at the most recent list of candidates because your ballot may have names on it that are no longer actively running. So because, please don't waste your yeah. vote. They print those things in advance because it takes time to print things. Yeah. And you can't just you materialize can't, them. You can't just materialize They're not thousands of ballots. So just, yeah, be careful. Like, just be, or be very, just take your time when yeah. you're voting. Read, make sure you're voting for the person that you truly believe in. I mean, you're free to vote for someone who has dropped out, but make sure you're consciously doing it and not going, I'm going to vote for this person and then accidentally filling in the wrong bubble. Right, yeah. So Check and double check. I'm a teacher, so yeah. I always tell everyone, check your work. Check of and double check of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not over the Yeti. Actually, like, submit your your ballot. Don't postpone it by yeah, Chekhov's gunning your pa- don't ballot. Don't go to your polling place be like, see this ballot? I'm going to put it on the handle. No, just give it to them. And then get your sticker and then <laughs> send us the picture. And, selfie. and we will be voting on Super Tuesday. We'll post our standard mm. I voted selfies. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. It's been many, many years since I've started doing that. Yeah. And then there, I think it was like the second or third year I did it. Someone was like, you do this every day, year, don't you? And I was like... Yeah, they're like, yeah, I, I feel do. like I've seen this picture before. I'm like, yeah, I do it every year. <laughs> yeah, I started doing it, must have been like 2015, I think. Mm. It was, actually, it might have been 2014, because it was around the time I got a smartphone. That's right, motherfuckers, I got my first smartphone in 2014. It's because I'm stubborn and people gave me a hard time about it. And <laughs> I was like, screw you, I won't get one then. 2014 seems so quaint. It was a, it was a time. Ew. It was 50 million years ago. Yes, that was giving me the hard time about it. Yeah, sorry. I well, pieced that together, and then I think I pieced, like, another thing together and was like, oh, no. 2014. Mm-mm. We didn't even know it, but it was the dark times. Did anything spooky happen to you this week? I'll cut you off at the pass and say nothing spooky happened to me, so take all the time you oh, need really? to unpack. Nothing yeah, I don't, spooky happened? Not really, like, oh. nothing, like, nothing, like, unheard of. Yeah. Just... Nothing that made enough of an impression for me to be like, ooh, I have to remember it. Like, although, 
I did get a weird vibe. I was the only person home. I think it was Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, I had just this very vivid image of like someone being in my room <sighs> while I was trying to fall asleep. Like I just turned the light off and like closed my eyes and put my sleep mask on. And then I had this, I, like I could feel them standing at the foot of my bed. So I like turned the light on, took the sleep mask off and there was nobody there because there was nobody in the house. So it was Good. fine. But, uh, no one's killed me no yet. No killed you yet. But if someone does kill me and they lived in the attic, Joke's on all of y'all, because I was right! <laughs> I'm going to put that on your tombstone. Yes, I was I right! right. <laughs> That's Someone all I want. was living in the attic. <laughs> you should have listened to me you when you had the chance. Um, uh. <laughs> so what happened to you, Sasha? So, yesterday, Saturday, we my two of my friends and I went out to celebrate one friend's birthday. Humble brag, Sasha has two friends. I have two whole friends. And... She loves wineries and escape rooms. So Whom among, among us, us doesn't? Yeah. Right? So we went to Ford's Fish Shack for lunch, which is so good. Their seafood is so good. I had a, a Connecticut-style lobster roll. It was oh. real delicious. And calamari in a lobster sauce. It was really good. Interesting. And then we, we had like a very palindrome day where we like did lunch. We went to Starbucks. We went to escape room. Then we went to a winery, a winery, an escape room, a Starbucks, and then had dinner. <laughs> so, you just, the way you just said a winery, a winery, a Starbucks, then dinner reminded me of the divorce beheaded died, divorce, divorce beheaded survived, survived yeah, of so Henry wives. We, we had a very, like, very clear-cut day of, like, things that were interesting. Clear-cut, in. like the wife that was beheaded? Yes. Exactly. She was not a nearly headless wife. She hey. was definitely headless. She was. She was real classy about it, though. And so we, we did our first escape room. And it was amazing. It was It's run by Raven's Chase, which does a bunch of different escape rooms in Virginia. Famously, I had hives in Richmond t- in 2017 and still yes. went to the escape room, hopped yes. up on Benadryl and super drowsy. We beat an eight-person escape room with only three people and me... <laughs> Like at half mental capacity, <laughs> but it was it was it's great. Like they always have really good intricate rooms, and so it was just like this really great experience. It was a sh- it was presented to us as this like you're a paranormal investigative team <gasps> at a old ho- or at a hotel, and there are some weird things happening, and the manager hotel manager is being like, kind of sketchy, and then locks you into this room after you go in, and you're like oh we can't get out. And then as you're investigating, we got a key and the key had a tag on it. I didn't read the tag. I just like chilled and like went about my time, like unlocked the thing and like threw the key off to the side. We were in H.H. Holmes's hotel. (laughs) Like that was the whole conceit of this. Uh, And about halfway through when we figured out like how to get, it wasn't halfway through, it was like the first 15 minutes in, Julia had to walk, crawl through a tunnel and all of a sudden she yelped. And then the light started flickering in the tunnel, and then she was quiet, and we were like, something happened to her? <laughs> and then her voice came from, like, behind a wardrobe, and she was, like, banging on the closet door, and we opened it up, and she was like, hey! And we were like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, we stepped inside. There was a room with, like, belts and stuff, and it was really weird, and there was, like, blood smeared on the floor, and it, like, went under into this, like, room, and we looked into the window, and we were like, oh, we don't want to go in there, because it was, like, this big plastic sheet. We, we finally get in. Julia was like... Well, I guess I'm going in. <laughs> like pushes everything. There's body bags hanging upside down from the ceiling on tracks, so you can like swing them around. It's kind of like fun. you know when you're in a playground play place thing, and they have like the the sandbags hanging from the 
like ceiling. Have you ever been to one of those? And they just bump into you and you're just like trying to get through this tunnel of sandbags. No, but I'm familiar with the concept because of uh, Legends of, from the Hidden Yeah, Temple. yeah. So that, but with bloody body bags. That seems fun. Upside down. It was, it was so funny, but also a little terrifying. There was one point where like the lights were flickering on and off and I... And a little girl started singing, and I just, like, yelped, ran out of the room, like, grabbed Steph, and was, like, hugging her and cowering. And, like, when everyone else came into the room, they were like, are you good? But, yeah, like, that was just an amazing time. I was, like, all super excited once I found out it was H.H. H. Holmes's thing, and also, right. like, a little bit scared, because I was like, oh, no, we're guests in H.H. H. Holmes's hotel. We're never going to check out. And then, like, the three strangers who were with us were like, He's been dead for, what? like, so no, no, long, no. They guys. were just like, who is that? Oh, come and on! And so then I'm like, let me tell you about Devil of the White City! And then I'm, like, watching the clock tick, tick down, I was like, never mind, just Google it later! <laughs> there was one point where we were looking at a bunch of, like, chemical bottles, and we were like, are we supposed to order it in, like, the way that you're supposed to use these chemicals when you kill someone? And then there's three, like, Why strangers... Why would you know that? Well, I mean, you start with chloroform. <laughs> Not necessarily, you can kill people with chloroform. But we said this out loud, and again, these, like, three strangers were like... What? Because we're trying every situation. I was going to say, now you know how it feels to be me in any situation yeah. where I'm like, have you guys heard about this super gnarly murder? <laughs> yeah. So, but we got out with like almost 17 minutes to spare. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And we were like feeling real good. Went to two wineries, like had a really nice time. And then we went to, uh, Julia was like, yeah, what if we did like another escape room? So we do another escape room and it's in another city. It's another, like, it's like a independent, like doesn't operate with another bigger company. It was rough, you guys. A lot of stuff was broken, and a lot of stuff, like, the staff had to keep coming in, and it was, like, kind of ruining the experience. And there was stuff that we were, like, struggling with, yeah. and then, like, the little voice from the speaker, like, told us, and we were like, yeah, we did that, and they were like, please hold. And then, like, sent someone to fix it. They didn't, like, ever stop the timer. And by the end of it, like, we didn't get out, even though we had the security code to stop the nuclear missile launch, and... Like, the one of the staffers came in, and I was like, well, can you at least, like, tell us what else we needed to do to solve this? Like, because we have this code. And he was like, oh. And then he looks at the journal, he goes, can someone read this last paragraph for me? And I was like, we did read that last paragraph. And he looked at it, and he looked at my notebook, and he looked at it, and he went, yeah, that's the right code. Uh. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my God. And so, yeah, it was just a disaster. But then Steph's husband made us tacos, and it was nice. That is nice. But yeah, the spooky thing of my week was... A, a tale of two escape rooms. A tale of two escape rooms, but really it was... Sasha got to go stay in H.H. Holmes's murder hotel in a way for 45 minutes. Whom's Among Us. Whom's Among Us hasn't. It was awesome. That's good. So I recommend it. If like you find it. an H.H. Holmes-style murder room... Or not murder room, what am I saying? <laughs> escape room. You should go to it. <laughs> if you find one in real life, you should get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Because it is not going to go well once you're in there. Other spooky thing that happened this week is that it's March 1st, and the snack it just dropped. Hmm. And we have feelings. So, let me level with y'all. We were invited... And we dropped bone cone to that effect. We were invited to be part of the snack at Illuminati who gets a say in what ends up on the snack it. And it was really fun. It was. We uh, loved we, it. If you are a Patreon supporter. supporter, at the $3 level, you get the audio um, for that. And then if you're not, but you still want to hear us like wax poetic and yell about snacks for a little bit. I think it's another week or so. Yep, on March 8th it will go live to the general public. Yep. So if you can't wait, go ahead and 
Three bucks will get you access to it. But otherwise, you could be patient and hear us talk about it. And fun fact, it was recorded when my mouth still hurts, so I'm I'm kind of yeah. weird sounding. <laughs> well, it, it finally dropped. And let me tell you, despite being in the Illuminati, voting in the first round hurt me. Yeah. I was... There were there like Sophie's choice right at the beginning. There were Usually like, Sophie's choice is like second or third round. Sometimes there were, the end. There were two, I think, matchups that hurt my heart to vote in. And then there was one that I point blank refused to vote in because honestly I would choose death. Yeah. Because both are trash. And that matchup was the one that I had a hard time with yeah. because I eat both of those snacks and love both of those snacks. Barf. It was jerky and pickles. Disgusting and, and disgusting. Delicious and delicious. Barf and barfer. S- delicious and scrumptious and everything. I'm just going to keep canceling out <laughs> Courtney's a million plus one. I had uh, <laughs> plus seven whatever you say. Yeah. I had a really hard time with Toblerone versus York Peppermint Patties. Mm. And I had a really, really, really hard time with Pocky oh. versus Tim Tams. Yeah. So I had, a tr- I had trouble with dark chocolate covered pretzels and fruit snacks because love both of those. I'm not a big fan of fruit snacks, so that was that was pretty straightforward I, for me. Julia keeps a drawer, she keeps a filing cabinet at work for snacks for the teachers, and there's always fruit snacks in it, and I, I have a soft spot for those. I had a hard time also with, oh, gummy bears and peanut M&M's. 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 Peanut butter M&M's and gummy bears I had a hard time with, because I like both of those things. Yeah, I'm not a big fan um, of gummy bears, so I went straight peanut butter M&M's. Kettle corn and puppy chow, Don't or like, monkey mat. I've got lunch. on the, the record before to talk about my limited feelings towards popcorn, so I was like, yeah. give me that puppy chow. Oh, uh, tiny citrus fruit and the yogurt cup with fruit. But I went with tiny citrus fruit. Because you are a... Tiny citrus fruit apologist. And you won't be sorry. Yeah, I think this year I actually put my name as Japanese snack enforcer, Japanese snack something of your... Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Not to be the worst person in the entire world, have you considered being the Snackuza? A... <laughs> I just thought of it. Um, where was that? Oh, I'm really uh, pleased yeah. with myself. That was so good. Poppy Sticks and Tim Tams. That one hurt. I, was, I don't know why I didn't think they would go up against each other. The two chocolate-covered international cookies. Yeah, and yeah. then like a biscuity cookie, but yeah. like it hurt. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, and then what else I had? I had trouble with... Oh, the Ritz Bits cheese versus Ritz Bit peanut butter. Really? Because... <laughs> I was like, oh, I like both of those. I had to, like, think about it. I was like, okay, if I'm sitting at my desk at work, what am I going to pick out of Julia's snack drawer? Yeah. And I went with cheese. Good. That's, I bought those for our conference last year. Mm. I saw the, a box of them, and I was like, I haven't had these in years. I'm so excited. Um, the Pringles versus Ruffles, because I like sour cream and onion Pringles, and I also like cheddar sour, sour cream Ruffles. Um, I'm not a big fan of Pringles, so I went with the Ruffles. Yeah. Uh I think I picked the ruffles as well. Mm. String cheese and cheese curds. You love string cheese, but for me, this snack it the one to beat is gonna probably be cheese curds. Yeah, it was it was really hard. I think I ended up voting for string cheese because yeah. I eat string cheese more often Frequently, than yeah. cheese curds. But man, I fucking love cheese curds. <laughs> Let's see. But everything else Well, okay. I'll say this wasn't that hard. Like, I was able to pick a clear answer, even though I liked both of these, Pirate's Booty and Rice Cake. Mm-hmm. I, I went with the booty, obviously. Yeah, for me, a rice cake is like, I'm seven years old, and I want a snack, and for some reason, the only thing we have are rice cakes, so mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to eat a rice cake, yeah. but like, I would um, hands down choose Pirate's I Booty. I actually, I think I blacked out when I voted for Jerky or Pickles. 
I can't remember which one I voted for. I was like, I'm about to find out if you have to vote in every matchup of the Snack It because I will not choose one again. I choose death. It wasn't required. No, it sure wasn't. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I did not to, vote. You can, I will say, E.L. Fudge versus Viscoff, I, like, didn't have a strong opinion on either of them. Interesting. Yeah. I I guess I don't have a strong opinion about it. I just had a very visceral E.L. Fudge all the way reaction. Because, like, generally my I snack think I preferences... I voted for E.L. Fudge. Yeah, generally, if I'm going to snack, I want chocolate in it. Biscoff's not chocolate. Yeah, there were some that were super easy. I mean, yeah. Sour Patch Kids versus Fresh Berries, Fresh Berries. Yeah, I don't um, like or Sour Patch Kids. Or yogurt-covered so. pretzels versus dried mangoes. I want dried mangoes. Interesting. I yeah. want yogurt-covered pretzels. Interesting. I don't, I don't like that dried fruit texture. Oh, okay. Which part of why I don't like jerky, because it's that texture. And part of why I like, dry, I like dried fruit, I like dried, you know, meat, yeah. right? It was interesting to see dark chocolate espresso beans up against animal crackers, which seemed like two very different <laughs> snacks. I... I'm surprised that dark chocolate espresso beans were ranked as highly as they were. Me too. That was the one that, like, caramels could have, if more people, like, like what, one more person, two more people had voted? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I think I ended up voting for caramels only because I didn't really like any of the choices at the top, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of caramel, but my beloved dark chocolate almonds weren't close to winning it, so I was like, I'll throw my support in with Team Caramel, I guess. Yeah. But I voted for Animal Crackers, that, so. I was gonna say, that, that seems like a very, like, election-type thing. Yeah, like, I full-on caucus the shit out of the snack. <laughs> it was, I mean, like, looking at that thing, I was kind of like, mm. it's like, Four. and same with, like, the Chex Mix and ch- Cheddar Cheese pretzel combos. I would eat either of those if they were put in front of me, but Chex Mix I would be, like, more inclined to eat. If it had been the cracker combos and not the pretzel combos, absolutely, mm-hmm. but I'm not a big fan of pretzels. I feel like all this snack and discussion is me listing things I don't like, but it's because there's a lot of things that I'm not a big fan of on this year's Snack It, which is unusual, which means in theory this will be easier. But, I mean... Part of it is because we picked underdog snacks. We did. Yeah, it was like the purpose of like, hey, we're going to retire, temporarily retire every all the heavy hitters. Yeah. Because we all have strong opinions on that. Right? Yeah. So, now so it's let's, like, let's get into the smaller um, heavy opinions. I voted wasabi dried peas, even though I don't eat Same. them myself. I just fuck everyone who thinks they're bougie. <laughs> I was That's telling, all I, about it. I saw our friends Jess and Colin yesterday and I was telling them about the snack kit and I was talking about how already we've had to go to war to defend the honor of wasabi peas. And which, I don't even eat them. And Jess goes, those are really common in Asia. They're not bougie. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, anyone and I was like, you like, need to talk to Sasha about this. Anyone who's, you did a good Jess impression just now with her, her like, arm. yeah, because yeah. that's what she did. Yeah. yeah. Like, that that was one of the things where I, like, sometimes in the snack it, I'm just like, I will send you a, like, care package from H-Mart, because I feel like you don't have any Asian grocery stores where you live. I feel like, more appropriately, you should be the snackuza this season. I think I'll be the snackuza. I yeah. will cut down anyone yeah. who has any shit to say about Asian snacks. Yeah, and, like, you're, like, a John Wick-style <laughs> super murderer, and instead of a puppy, it's a tiny citrus fruit. Oh. Who else would watch that movie? Because oh I sure would. What are we talking about today, Sasha? Unsolved mysteries. Bam, 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 bam. So here's my unsolved mysteries confession that I saved for our podcast. I never watched the show growing up. I saw it for the first time about five months ago. Unsolved mysteries? Yeah, I never watched it. We were in America's Most Wanted household. Oh yeah, I. So we never we never watched Unsolved Mysteries. I was unaware that it was a thing until like four years ago. Yeah, and then I just never watched it. I I have memories of like watching one or two and just being really scared, kind of in the same way that um, 
believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, fact, fact or, or fiction. fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tried to, like, like stay away from it as much as I could. Yeah, I don't um, know. And I was in America's most... I, so as much as I was, like, scared of everything, I still sat by myself, little Sasha, watching oh, America's Most Wanted. I was not watching it by myself. My parents were watching it, and I was in the room. <laughs> I, I just happened to, like... The, the TV was just on, and I think my parents were just, like, milling about. Yeah. And I would sit there and watch and be so scared about, like, all of the... Well, first off, like, even though I knew that they were recreations, and they even said, like, the following is, like, a recreation of it, my little brain was, like... You know, my tiny brain was still, like, it's a recreation, which means it is being... It did happen. It did happen in some capacity. Whereas my scary. tiny brain was like, why didn't they help this woman instead of filming her? Right. <laughs> and then the <laughs> sketches at the end always scared me, or, like, the photos and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Like, that person is still on the loose. And I'm like, no! Oh, see, I also low-key wanted to be the one who would, like, we'd be at the grocery store and I would spot them. Money. And then we could call the hotline. Yep. And be like, we found him, or whatever. But, yeah, my parents, I don't know if they didn't like Unsolved Mysteries, but I don't have mm. any recollection of it ever being on in my house. Mm. So we watched America's Most Wanted, and we watched Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. We never watched Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. So this episode is brought to you by Unsolved Mysteries that I have read about on my own. I've watched maybe three episodes of the show in the past five months. I just, if I'm going to watch something, it's going to be Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. It's like the snack yeah. it. So I have one of my favorite unsolved mysteries that I don't have an answer for, but that like grips me in my heart place. So, but it's kind of long. Do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tell me. I'm going to tell you who put Bella in the witch elm. Mm, I've heard of Bella in the witch elm before. This but... is... Oh, the like story. I feel like you've mentioned it. I for sure have. In, like, two episodes already. We have. Yeah. So there was a Q&A we did where Lindsay from the now-retired 33% Pulp asked us if we could have one unsolved mystery solved, what would it be? Yeah. And I said, one of mine is who put Bella in the witch elm, because I would like to know who put her in there, for God's sake! Anyway... I'm getting ahead of myself. This is courtesy of Wikipedia, Birmingham Mail, TheUnredacted.com, CrimeReads.com, Reddit.com, TheHistoryPress.co.uk, and Mental Floss. And oh, good old Mental Floss. Just for your reference, I'll post this on the Instagram. When I say the witch elm, this is the witch elm. Don't like it. You shouldn't. And good call on doing the British accent. It's a British case. If you look in my notes, that's me phonetically spelling Worcestershire, Worcestershire. in the British accent. Because I know that in the, that in New England it's Worcester. That is not how they say it in the UK. You know when I did the rehearsal day for the um, project? project? Yeah. Theater kids love to do British accents. And I actually like left Who's <laughs> among us. <laughs> left the rehearsal like saying like ta-ta to one it's of the It's hard to turn because, off. Like, once everyone was like pretending to do the British accent. They didn't do the British accent like when we were doing the play because it's right. in Wyoming. Right. But like in the like, oh, I'm sorry about that line. Yeah. Like, oh, can I have, try again? <laughs> it was just so I was, funny. I don't know how we got on the topic, but I was trying to do a Scottish accent. And then like once I was in it I and I'd been doing it for a while, I like could not stop. It yep. was just like, this is where I live now. This is who I am. And finally he's like, please no more, please. And I'm like, I'm trying. I can't turn it off. I'm trying. It's just, I can't. This is just how I, I talk now. It's fine. That's obviously not a Scottish accent. I'm still in UK mode. On April 18th, 1943, in Worcestershire, England, 14 boys, that's four One, teen two, three, boys, four. not 14 boys. Yeah. 
Which I realized after I wrote this that this was going to be hard to make the designation. So Four teenagers. Four teenagers who are little boys ventured out to the woods surrounding Hagley Hall to go looking for bird's nests, which is a fun, semi-wholesome activity for people in World War II. The boys came across a witch elm, which is a big tree sometimes called a witch hazel, and one of the boys climbed in to see if any birds had set up shop. And again, we'll post the picture on the Instagram. It's not a tree I would try to climb, but I'm also not a teen boy in 1943 England. So... It's low-key kind of scary and pokey, and I'd be like, I don't know how I would, like, get yeah, in there. Yeah, I don't know how you'd get in there, but you got in there somehow. It's like a, like a really thick whomping willow. Yeah, like imagine if the whomping part is lower to the ground. Like it's not a lot of trunk, it's a lot of whomp. Yeah. So he climbs in and he's like, any bird's nests at home? I'm assuming. Instead, he glanced down into the hollow trunk and saw not a bird's nest, but some kind of bone. So he's Uh, like, okay, so like animal bones. But then he looked closer and picked the bone up. And it was a human skull. Oh, no. The boy named Bob Farmer climbed out of the tree and told his friends Bob Hart, Tom Willits, and Fred Payne what he had found. They all agreed they would not tell anyone about the skull because they had made the find when they were illegally trespassing and they were maybe less looking for bird's nests for a fun, wholesome activity and more illegally poaching to supplement their family's rations. Because it's World War II, II. and everybody's under rations, and you don't get a ton of meat, so if there are woods nearby, you'd maybe be tempted to go and get a rabbit or two. And, yeah, it's like, how are you explaining, you know, why are you trespassing? Yes, because just being like, I'm looking for bird's nests. Yeah, but you're still trespassing. So what are you going to do? Oh, no. But this didn't sit well with the youngest boy, Tommy Willits. Mm -hmm. Tommy, who was either 13 or 17 at the time, accounts vary. I'm not sure. I think he was 13. These were younger teenage boys. They weren't like 17, 18. They were like 13 to 15. Right. Tommy eventually broke down and told his parents what they had seen in Hagley Woods. His parents then told the police, and on April 19th, 1943, detectives from both Worcestershire County and nearby Birmingham swarmed the woods. Sure enough, inside the witch elm, they found a nearly complete skeleton. It was missing a hand, which was found a short distance away from the trunk. Uh, oh, it, probably an animal like dragged it off. Oh, no, okay. We're going to check off's gun that hand. Okay. <laughs> Not like what you're going to do to your ballot and give it to the ballot worker. You're going to just put that on the mantle for a hot second. It's going to hold on tight. Inside the trunk with the skeleton were a gold wedding ring, one women's shoe, and torn strips of clothing. While the skull still had some hair, it was its unique teeth that were most defining. The jaw shape was irregular, and it was missing several teeth. Police were confident that they'd be able to figure out who the victim was with quite a bit of haste, because they were like, look at these teeth. There's going to be a dental record. We're going to know who this is any second now. Sure. But then they conducted the autopsy. The pathologist found that the skeletal remains belonged to a woman who had been dead for about 18 months, putting her death in, like, October 1941. Okay. She was around 35 when she died, so somewhere in her early to mid-30s. Her hair was a mousy brown, and she was five feet tall, and she may have at some point in her life given birth, although I read conflicting accounts. Some mentioned she probably had a baby, some did not, so don't know. Cause of death was determined to be suffocation, which may have been the result of a piece of taffeta that had been shoved in her mouth before she died. 
The pathologist determined that she was likely placed in the trunk of the tree shortly after she was killed because it was a really confined space. Like, we'll post the picture of the tree so you can see it. There's not a ton of room in there. So if you have a body that's already had rigor mortis set in, there's no way you're getting five feet of body into this little confined space. So she would have still needed to be warm when she went in. So they were like, all right, so she was probably killed in the area and then dumped in the tree. But despite her distinctive jaw and teeth, no dental or medical records could be found for the mystery woman. Oh, yikes. Who was she? The case went cold, due in part to the lack of leads and the fact that it was 1940s England. Bombings were regular, and resources that were not about the war effort were extremely scarce. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. A lot's going on in England during World War II, and yes, murder is terrible, but, like, they were having wide-scale bombings every night. So, like, what, what, are you gonna do? what do you want us to do? We can't investigate that much. So, case is cold. But then, Christmas 1943, the graffiti popped up. Who put Bella down the witch elm? Hagley Wood, it said. The wall that had been defaced was in Birmingham, off a road commonly known as Hagley Road. Uh-huh. Other graffiti popped up after that, all asking similar questions. Who put Lubella down the witch elm? Hagley Wood Bella. And, of course, who put Bella in the witch elm? So now police have a name of the victim. Bella. But they still couldn't find an open missing persons case with someone named Bella who matched the skull. And more questions were being asked. Was the graffiti the result of curious bystanders who wanted to get more involved in a weird case? Right. Or was the murderer taunting police with information that only they knew? Because I was like, well, Bella's like bellissimo, you know, like, oh, she must be beautiful. beautiful, Yeah, because that's what they always say when it's a young woman who dies is, Who put the beauty in the witch elm? Not, okay, but Except for the one that says, who put Lou Bella down the witch elm. right. And so, so it's like someone knew what Maybe they knew. Yeah, and I don't know how widespread the details of the case were right. when the case was airing, like in 1943. Like you, you would think that like when the case was happening, that if it was like, oh, this woman's been missing for 18 months and had like distinct teeth, that someone who, if they know what her name they is. They know would, Bella would be like, oh my God, that's yeah. my cousin. She's Lou been Bella. missing yeah. since whatever. We all thought she ran away or whatever. So you would think somebody would have come forward. And again, I don't know... Because I'm not familiar with the standards of 1940s press. I don't know if there would have been a ton of coverage about this murder where they're like, we found a corpse in the woods. Mm -hmm. Especially when so much of the news is, World War II, we're getting bombed again. What the fuck is going on with these fucking Nazis? Like... Right. Yeah. So I don't know... Circumstances are so... Yeah, would someone nearby know enough to know a woman was found in the witch elm because there are other trees and like it's weird to think of a body being found in a hollowed out tree trunk anyway the case has been unsolved for 77 years Mm. and the graffiti still pops up to this day so every few years someone will spray who put bella in the witch elm interesting so you ready for some theories 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 theory 0.5 there have been a couple rumblings i call this half a theory because there's not a ton of details about it, but it's pretty standard, like, mm-hmm. post-murder. There, It's possible that Bella was a sex worker named Lou Bella, who, unfortunately, a John targeted her and was cruel and malicious and knew that because she was a sex worker, they weren't going to work very hard to try and solve the case. And mm-hmm. so he killed her and dumped her body in the witch elm. That one's a bummer. There's also the possibility that she was a waitress at a pub nearby, and again, there was a patron who maybe took an unhealthy interest in her, and again, mm. was just a general asshole and killed her. So those are the half theories. Sure. There's not a ton of details about those, but also entirely possible. 
Theory number one, and the most spoop hour relevant theory, Ooh. witchcraft. <laughs> like any good unsolved murder, there's theories about it involving Satanism and witchcraft. Remember Margaret Murray, the Egyptologist who was instrumental in the witch cult theory about the witch trials and who would be called the grandmother of Wicca? Mm-hmm. Well, she was alive in 1943, oh. and she had some thoughts about Bella in the Witch Elm. In 1945, Margaret Murray speculated that Bella had been the victim of a black magic ritual called the Hand of Glory. Murray's belief was that Romani witches had killed Bella for some crime against their coven, cut off her hand as the hand of someone who has been executed, is believed to have very strong occult powers, and then put her body in the tree so that it would be unable to haunt its murderers. Better yet, remember the hand? Yeah. And you thought sure. maybe a predator moved it? The hand was found 13 spooky paces from the witch elm. I mean, whose paces? Which paces? Okay. That's the real question. <laughs> but um, but um, which paces? Which witch, though? Hey, hey. let me know. Murray then took her theory one step further and said that Bella and the Witch Elm was connected to another witchcraft murder that had happened around the time the body was found, that of Charles Walton. Walton had died in the nearby village of Lower Quinton after he had been stabbed and pinned to the ground with his own pitchfork, which caused a lot of people to speculate, oh, he's killed by a pitchfork, devil must be involved, it's probably witchcraft, because they loved blaming stuff on witchcraft. And not on, like, deranged people no, who have... No, that doesn't make any sense. Do you know how crazy you sound right now? Right. You sound so crazy. Mm -hmm. It's definitely magic. Giving spooky weight to this theory is that Hagley Woods had an affiliation with the occult in local lore. Hmm. I mean, it's called Hagley Woods. Like, witches. And guess what's a common witchcraft plant? Bella Donna. Oh. And witch elms are also obviously mystically significant, both because witch, even though it's spelled W-Y-C-H, is pronounced the same way as the word witch, like the magic one. Mm -hmm. And there are beliefs in certain circles of the occult that witch elms have some sort of mystic power affiliated Mm -hmm. with them. So if you're going to kill someone and you don't want their ghost coming after you, maybe you'd put them in the convenient witch elm. Theory number two, and the theory I think is the most legit, though, has nothing to do with witchcraft. It has to do with spies. Spies. Fucking love spies. Spies. But what kind of spies? These are bad spies. You shouldn't love these spies. Mm. In 1953, I mean, you don't have to love any spies, really. I just like spy stories. When I say I love spies, that's what I mean. In 1953, journalist Wilfred Byford Jones started looking into Bella and the Witch Elm. Mm -hmm. So this is about a decade after her body had been found. He started publishing articles about the crime. So I'm wondering, that's why I'm not sure about the newspaper Mm -hmm. coverage. I don't know if it was just like an aside in an earlier newspaper, Mm -hmm. but this was the first time anyone had taken a real detailed look at it and started publishing the information they found in a newspaper. So... While he was publishing these articles about the crime for the Wolverhampton Express and Star, Mm -hmm. Byford Jones received a letter from someone calling themselves Anna of Claverly. And Anna said they knew the secret of Bella. Hmm. Anna said that Bella had been murdered after getting involved with a Nazi spy ring operating in England in the 1940s. Motherfucking Nazi spies. In the letter, Anna wrote... Finish your articles, read the Witch Elm crime by all means. They are interesting to your readers, but you will never solve the mystery. The one person who could give the answer is now beyond the jurisdiction of the earthly courts. The affair is closed and involves no witches, black magic, or moonlit rites. And I'm like, 
That sounds like what you'd say if it did have to do with witches, black <laughs> magic, and moonlit rites. But no, probably no, not. No, probably not. Byford Jones, though, was like, I am fucking in. This is fucking rad. So he wrote back to Anna of Claverly. Mm-hmm. And Anna eventually revealed herself to be a woman by the name of Una Mosop. Mm-hmm. Una's husband, Jack, worked in a munitions factory. Una's suspicions were raised when Jack started boasting about coming into a bunch of money to family and friends. Huh. He said that he had met a Dutchman named Van Ralt, and for the low, low price of passing information about local industrial sites, Van Ralt would pass along a bunch of money. Ooh. Jack told his wife that Van Ralt was a Nazi agent and that he had a partner posing as a cabaret performer at local theaters. Jack Mm. also admitted that he was out with Van Ralt one night and that they had put the woman in the tree. Interesting. Jack and Van Ralt had been out drinking at a pub in Hagley and Van Ralt had brought along a lady friend. At this point, the record is less clear. I don't know if Una gave two conflicting accounts or if it's just gotten diluted over time or what Mm -hmm. the deal is. One version is that the woman they were with became really, really intoxicated and she passed out, at which point the men put her into the tree as like a funny prank, like, haha, this'll teach you to get drunk, junkie. But then when the woman woke up, she wasn't able to get out of the tree and ultimately died. But that doesn't really explain... The, the hand? The hand, one, unless it's animal predators. Yeah. And two, it doesn't explain the taffeta in her mouth. Right. Because, like, it's not like she's like, I'm panicking. I'm going to shove some taffeta into my mouth. Right. Because from what I remember, she wasn't wearing taffeta. Yeah. So it wasn't like she tore off a strip of her clothes, stuffed it in her mouth. own mouth yeah. for, I don't know, reasons. I don't know. Another recounting, though, says that Una confided in Byford Jones that, while out with Jack, Van Ralt and the woman had gotten into a violent fight, and Van Ralt had strangled the woman, and Jack, fearing for his life, helped Van Ralt dispose of the body by carrying it to Hagley Wood and putting it in the trunk of a tree that they came across. Mm. Either way, whichever version is true... We don't know because Jack Mosop was committed to St. George's Hospital, allegedly due to suffering recurring nightmares of a skull staring at him from inside a tree. Hmm. And so these visions haunted him to the point where he just checked himself in and he ultimately died in St. George's Hospital. Hmm. The spy ring makes sense in terms of the war. Yeah. The Midlands had been hit hard by the Luftwaffe. Yeah. So information about where munitions were being manufactured and stored would help target the attacks to do the most damage to England's war effort. Right. And so Jack, as somebody involved with maybe the building of munitions, he would have information as a factory worker that would Mm. be of value to a Nazi spy. Yeah. you know, it's a lot of money, so maybe he was tempted. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he wasn't a man with a ton of scruples, and he was like, yeah, I'll take Nazi money. Like, don't take Nazi money, but no. this guy did. And, like, picture it. It's the height of World War II. Germany right. is bombing England left, right, and center, yeah. as a matter of course. Hundreds of people are missing, because after each bombing, there's a ton of victims. Right. You're a spy who's just killed your spy affiliate. Yeah. Who's going to take note of one more body? Right. There's already so many people missing. Who's going to know? Yeah. Byford Jones then took all this info to the police and MI5 got involved. Allegedly, MI5 was able to verify some details of Una's account, but they weren't able to find the mysterious Van Ralt or who Bella would have been. Hmm. But this theory has been called into question because it all hinges on Una coming clean to the journalist which she only did 10 years after her husband died. 
So hmm. a lot of time passed between when Bella went into the witch elm and when Una came forward with the story. Right. It's possible that she's just been holding this inside for a long time. Or maybe it's just been 10 years since her husband died and she's like, he kind of sucked and now I'm going to level with y'all. Yeah. But there's another spy theory that it was a different set of spies. I can't. I'm, oh my God. I Please tell me more. Just, I'm, this story. Thanks to some declassified MI5 files, we have another spy theory. Mm-hmm. These files tell a tale of a German spy named Joseph Jacobs, who was captured after breaking his ankle when parachuting into Cambridgeshire in 1941. And I've read accounts that parts of a parachute were made with taffeta, but I don't remember where I read those accounts, so take them with a grain of salt. In his possession when he was arrested was a creased photo of German cabaret singer Clara Bowerly. Jacobs, under interrogation, said Bowerly was his lover and that she was a spy for the Third Reich. He said that she had parachuted into the West Midlands in 1941, then seemingly dropped off the face of the earth. He never heard from her again. And maybe Bowerly was misheard as Bella, because, you know, if you've got a German accent and you're listening with British ears... Sure. Maybe. Bowerly, Bella, like, you know... Okay. Possible. Not possible. No. Sorry. I <laughs> build you up and then I shoot you down. Clara was somewhere between 5 foot 10 and 6 feet tall. Mm-hmm. At most, Bella was 5 feet tall. Yeah. And then in 2016, records were found that stated that Bowerly had died in a Berlin hospital in December 1942. So she dropped off the face of the earth after that because she was in the hospital and ultimately died. Hmm. And guess what? There's another spy theory. There's oh my god! Three what? Spy theories. So many theories. I love. Them. And they're all about spies. Well, not all of them. Some of them are about witchcraft. Well, I mean, witchcraft. I mean, like the the, the these theories that you. Like, yeah, the ones that I think hold like, most water. Every time I'm like, okay, I think that's that's that sounds theory. plausible. That, that, that's a lot of theories. Okay, Courtney's almost done. No, <laughs> no, no. This is why this took me like four hours to put together because I kept getting sidetracked and being like, okay, well, if she was that Nazi yeah. spy, I will what say, does that mean about? When I came over today, Courtney had her, this entire, like, pin board with, like, strings and oh, yeah. photos and everything. I was, she was like, like, Charlie Day. Yeah, that's my entire, how my entire day has been, has been like, but who put Bella in the witch elm? So, this spy theory comes courtesy of historian Donald McCormick, who published Murder by Witchcraft in 1968. Don't let the title fool you. It is not about murder by witchcraft. It's just about the two deaths that were affiliated with witchcraft, uh, but it doesn't support that either of them was actually a sure. witchcraft murder. It's just like, everybody thought it was a spooky murder that was done by witches, but it probably wasn't. So McCormick postulated a new theory that he said was based on files from German military intelligence mm-hmm. around the time of the war. These files revealed yet another Nazi spy. This one was called Lehrer. Lehrer was based out of the Midlands in 1941, and his girlfriend was a Dutch woman by the name of, can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> Clara Bella ah. Drunkers. Oh. Clara Bella was in her 30s and had well-known crooked teeth. Mm-hmm. There was also another Nazi spy executed in 1942 by the name of Johannes Marinus drunkers. Clarabella may have been his wife, and if you'll recall, Bella's body was found with a wedding ring. Yep. Adding to the fun is that the Home Office had been warned that in the early 40s, German agents were parachuting into the Midlands around Clent Hill 
and Hagley Wood, where Bella's body would be found in a witch elm. Interesting. There was also an account by a former British soldier who claimed to have seen Nazi files detailing the spies they had operating in this area, including a young woman with mousy brown hair and crooked teeth, codenamed Clara, who parachuted into the area in 1941. I just... To pause. Yes. I know that they're parachuting under the cover of night. Yes. But it's just so funny to think about just, like, people parachuting. Yeah. Just, just like, as a matter of, like, just how else are you going to get there? I'm going to parachute. Like it's bananas. It is. So, maybe it was spies turning on each other, but another theory is that it was actually a love triangle because Clarabella uh. was rumored to be involved with Lehrer, and obviously she also had a husband. So, maybe the love triangle went oh. wrong, and it just so happened that they were three spies in a love triangle, and not just regular where's, people. Where's this movie? I mean... There is a movie called Witch Elm, or sorry, it's a book called Witch Elm yeah. that's based on this crime, but it's not like, like I don't even gap. need the crime to occur. I just need a, like, spy, spy love, triangle. love triangle. Yeah, and we can make them not Nazi spies, because by being Nazi spies, they all suck. Right. But, like, you know, like, like interesting spies who are like, oh, but, like, I'm spying, and you're spying, and my husband's spying, too, but I kind of want to get with you, but right. my husband is Mm-mm. a spy, and now I have to out-spy the spy because I'm cheating on him with another spy. Bonkers. Do you want to try to solve it? Me? Yes, or anyone. Do we get money? I mean, maybe. I mean, do you? Ha- what's your theory? Well, it doesn't really matter because even if you Is want to solve it, the skull and the original autopsy report have been lost to the ravages of time and sloppy record keeping. Amazing. So they're gone. They did actually do a digital reconstruction of what Bella probably looked like based uh-huh. on the skull, but it was based on... Photos of the skull because again they don't have the record. They don't have the skull anymore. Oh, they lost sake. it. So to this day, no one has come forward to answer who put Bella in the witch elm. I just I have to know. Like personally, I think the code name Clara one is the most legit yeah. spy theory because this is my ultimate dilemma. I convince myself of one thing and then I think about it for ten minutes and I'm like, no, obviously that's garbage because I'm like, okay. Because originally, before I did all of this research specifically for this episode, just based on what I'd previously seen and heard and read about this Mm -hmm. case, I thought it was maybe Bella was on the side of MI5 and was a British spy who had infiltrated Nazi spy ranks. Mm -hmm. And the Nazi spies maybe found her out and then they killed her and put her in the witch elm. But then other accounts have pointed out The Witch Elm is in a rural area, and if you're not from this part of England, how would you know this tree is there? And then I'm like, well, maybe they just got lucky because maybe they weren't like, we're specifically going to put her in this tree. Maybe they were going to put her in the woods, but it's October 1941. It's in Uh, England. The ground is probably cold. So if you can avoid trying to dig a hole big enough for a body, because there's a convenient hollow tree... Maybe you just use the convenient hollow tree. Why and, not use the convenient hollow tree? And so, like, you didn't intend to put her in the witch elm, but, like, it's there. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Or, like, maybe another British person figured out that this one was spying, and so they killed her and put her in the witch elm. Or maybe it was her spy husband killed her, because codenamed Clara and her la- Clarabella, like, yeah. And it's funny, like, if it was, like, someone figured out that she's a spy, if they wrote, like, mockingly on the, the, the graffiti, you know, who kill, who put Bella in the witch elm, that's, like, signaling to the German spies that, like, you've been found out. Yeah, like, because they know, oh, shit, we know Bella. 
mm-hmm. what the fuck? She's dead. We got to bounce. Yeah. Or maybe it's another spy who just successfully, like, saw, you know, the Nazis did not win that war, thank God. Mm -hmm. So maybe that Nazi spy, we know some Nazis fled and hid Mm -hmm. in plain sight in places like Argentina. Maybe this Nazi spy was like, I could just be British now. But... They just wanted to, like, really stick it to the police and be like, who put Bella in the witch elm? Mm. You're never going to fucking find me because I'm a spy in plain sight. Mm. I don't know. Which which theory do you think? It's got to be spies, right? It's, it's got to be spies. But which spies? And I kind of like the idea that someone figured out that there like she was a spy. Yeah. And knew that there were others. Yeah. And they, like, did it. In, like, a, the, the graffiti in a mocking way. Like, we know yeah. that you're out there. Yeah. But I'm not thrilled that a person had to die for that no. to happen. And you shouldn't be. No. Although she might have been a Although Nazi she's spy. A Na- she, but see, that's the thing. Like, if she's a Nazi spy, then, yeah, I'm thrilled that she's... Only good you know Nazi's I mean? a dead Nazi, but, like... <sighs> that's so terrifying. It's... I just think... I, I think the, the thing that I'm, like, more stuck on is, like, being a teenager and finding a dead body... Yeah. I think that like, part is the part that I'm like, oh, Because, like, Whomst Among Us didn't have those idiot romping around adventures with our friends when we were teenagers. Dude, that was always my, the height of my anxiety was when I had the idiot romping around <laughs> adventures that we would find a body. This could have been you. I, yeah. You could have been out bird's nesting. I still have the idiot romping around, like, anxiety because, like, my grandparents have a really large farm. They have a hundred, I mean... Not as large as, like, some farms, but it's 100 acres, and they've reforested most of it, and yeah. they let locals come and, like, put up um, hunting blinds and stuff to, mm-hmm. like, thin out some of the a- animals in the in the winter. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, like, be on the walk in the back 40 and, like, come across a structure, and I'm always so scared of the structure because I'm like, what if someone, like, died back here and, like, just, like, you was forgotten know. about, right? Because, like, yeah. my grandparents don't, like, check on the land. They're just like, yeah, just let us know. That you're going to be back there. Yeah. So that if we hear gunshots, it's, like, not, like, a weird thing. Yeah. And I'm always, like, scared. Whenever. What if there's a Nazi spy ring up? Why do you got to be It's fine. Right. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> don't put that into the universe. No, it, it's not. You're fine. But, like, and it's so, like, we know there are parachutists, but, like, for me, I'm, like, there's no way she would have landed in Hagley Woods, right? Because it's right. woods, and if you're a parachutist... You know you don't land in I woods mean, because it's going to fuck up your parachute. But maybe you do land in woods if you're a spy parachuting in and you don't want to be seen. The other thing is like... Yeah, I still can't explain the taffeta away. No! But the other, the other part is like, what if like she accidentally died on the entryway and like the other spies right. were like, oh, fuck. we need to get... <laughs> yeah, there is a theory somewhere. I can't even remember. And it, the taffeta but, just ended up in her mouth purely by like decomposition Maybe. or like because she was animals, in a tree trunk so everything right. like got all mixed and in. animals like moved stuff around and yeah. then, like, her hand ended up outside the tree because the of animals got it or yeah. whatever because i've heard like yeah in like some tr- not crime reconstruction but like just i mean i watched a lot of bones growing up whom's um, among us but, like, <laughs> when when stuff like doesn't make sense sometimes it's because something got dragged in by yeah. a small animal yeah or like bugs or something yeah you know? There is an episode of Bones where somebody is trying to frame the chupacabra for committing a murder. <laughs> and it's the best one. Chalupacabra. Chalupacabra! So chunky. Part of me, though, is like the taffeta, if you knew she was a spy, the whole thing about being a spy is telling people information you're not supposed to share. 
what better way to symbolically shut you up than with a piece of taffeta in your mouth at the time of your death? Mm. Gag gone wrong. Yeah, like, choke on it. Yeah, choke Choke on on your words. Like, what? I don't know. I don't. I want to know, though. But I... And, like, she had such distinctive teeth that I'm like, okay, well, it's possible if she was a spy, she would have never gone to the dentist in the UK. So they wouldn't have records of her getting dental work there. Right. Because she hadn't, because she didn't live there. And they're not going to work internationally with the country that's no. against No. Hey, Germany, them. I know that we're fighting right now, and I know that we all have stuff on our plates, and you guys keep bombing the absolute shit out of us, but, like... What's the deal with your dental records? Do we have to put in, like, a, a an information request? Or, like, right? do we have to go through yeah. our insurance? What are we doing? Like, like, how would they no. even know that she was German in the first place? Right. And, you like... Know? It's not like today that if, like, a woman's body was found in a tree trunk like that... Yeah. It would be news, and then it would be probably international news. Yeah. It's so str- shocking. And then somebody and would then... come forward and say, my friend's roommate went missing around that time. Right. This is a picture of her. She has the same color hair. This is what her teeth looked like. Mm-hmm. But nobody came forward. And, like, part of it is it's possible that if she were just a random woman who was randomly killed by a random asshole, mm. it's possible that her family then wouldn't think she got killed. It's possible her family would have thought... We just went through that bombing. Maybe she was in the building that got hit. Yeah, that's what the, my the the like quieter theory. The one where I'm like, the only way this makes sense is that it was just a random murder. Yep, is that they were in the midst of war, and also in there. I mean, there are so many stories of like, I never saw my brother again because he like left to go become rich. Yeah. And we moved and we don't know how to find him again. Do you right. know what I mean? And there's there's stories of she went to go to the World's Fair and then she never came back. So I guess she liked the city. Like to, <laughs> a la H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, like there were, there are all these stories. Because, you know, it was the 40s. You didn't have phones on you at all times. So you couldn't shoot. I couldn't text you and be like, hey, I'm in the woods. I'm about to meet some people. If I don't turn up in an hour, call right. the cops. Like... I would just disappear and you'd never hear from me again. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, I wonder what happened to Courtney. But you can't Facebook stalk me because you don't have Facebook. Right. So. It was, like, easier to just assume, like, I haven't heard from this person in a while. They probably just started over and forgot. Yeah. Or yeah. they just ended up somewhere else. Yeah. They don't have my address anymore. Yeah. They ended up overseas and yeah, it wonder, keeps getting lost in the mail. It's kind of like the, I wonder what happened to this person. Yeah. We don't really have much of that. No, because we could Google them. Yeah. You can't do that in the 40s. Mm-mm. So... It's possible that you would see someone for the last time and then be like, huh, weird. And maybe anyway, that's who put yeah. Bella in the witch elm. Right? <laughs> anyway, tell me another one. Another one? Okay. Yeah. All right. I will tell you. I've screamed at you so much about Bella and the witch elm. Tell me something. Tell me something. Okay. We might have talked about this one before, but I'm going to tell it again. Tell me, tell me. The Kecksburg UFO incident. Ooh. This is from Mental Floss's list of 10 unsolved mysteries that still haven't been solved. Yay. So on the evening of December 9th, 1965, thousands of eyewitnesses reported seeing a strange light appearing over parts of the northeastern United States and Canada. Courtney is having a visceral reaction right now. I am. We haven't talked about it on this podcast, which is remarkable because we did the episode on aliens, but I don't think we talked about this. This scares the shit out of me because we all know I'm all in on aliens. I don't believe in ghosts, but I am all in on aliens. I read, I used to read a lot of Dave Barry growing up. Sure. He's an American humorist. He writes funny columns. But... In one of his books, and it's just like in the middle of this book of comical essays, so I'm devouring his comical yeah. essays like, oh, he's so funny, I want to be funny when I grow up like Dave Barry. 
And then in the middle of it, he interviews two people who witnessed that UFO oh. event. And he's like, these are not the people who would make this up. So what did they see that night? Mm. And it fucked me up. Oh my God. Tell me everything. So <laughs> this is just a short little spiel about it. But And I would love to do another episode on just this. We gotta keep doing more unsolved say, mystery episodes. We should probably just do another, like, this is part one, next week is part two, so we can yeah. delve. Yeah, let's do um, let's do part one and part two, because I have other unsolved mysteries yeah. that I wanted to get to, but then I fell down the witch elm and didn't come out. Courtney's in the witch elm. Oh, who put me in there? You did. Oh. You were hoisted by your own petard. I knew it! Um, so it was made of taffeta. Citizens of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania saw this light, too. But they also witnessed a lot of commotion coming from what looked like to be a crash site. Local law enforcement was said to have been quickly ordered out of the area by government officials who crowded around an acorn-shaped spacecraft embedded into the ground. Mm. Reports of the crash being a meteor or some kind of space debris circulated, but UFO researchers have long insisted that the incident was extraterrestrial in origin. Mm. Others believe it was a spy satellite that the United States wanted to disavow. Was it Nazi spies? Or just U.S. spies. (laughs) Um, neither NASA nor the Air Force has responded to civilian inquiries about what may or may not have landed in Kecksburg that night. I am so curious. I need to know I more. I just, because, like, the accounts of it, isn't this the one where, like, the lights were around for a long time mm-hmm. and a lot of people saw them? Because, yeah. like, I'm all for, like, even my belief in aliens comes with a healthy dose of skepticism where it's, like, it's one person who really wanted to believe in aliens. Mm-hmm. And so they saw a shooting star and they just really wanted to believe that it was a UFO and they mm-hmm. primed themselves to see the UFO so they saw a UFO. But with that many people, like, what are the chances that all of them were primed to believe it was a right. UFO? Another one is just the escape from Alcatraz. <gasps> Which I absolutely, there's, um, I, I love this one because there was an episode of Mythbusters where mm-hmm. they actually tried to, like, figure out how they did it. And so it's just, like, Jamie and Adam, yeah, like, trying just to flailing in the San Francisco Bay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, basically, this is an unbelievable prison escape from, of... Three men who fled from the isolated Alcatraz, which mm-hmm. is a prison on an island. Basically, the San Francisco Azkaban. I mean, mm. Alcatraz, Azkaban, like, didn't har- try that hard. Right. <laughs> and this happened on June 11th, 1962. Hey. So this is, like, still, like, pretty recent history. It's possible that if they escaped them, they could still be alive. Right. Anyone who could successfully navigate past their cells, armed guards, and fences would then have to swim miles to shore. Inmates Frank Morris and Alan West hatched a plan to do exactly that and enlisted brothers John and Clarence Anglin to come along with them. West had discovered that access to the outside was possible if the prisoners pulled out the entire ventilation shaft under the sink in their cells rather than trying to cut through the bars blocking the shaft. By burrowing into the opening, they could make their way behind the cell wall and up to the roof by using the plumbing to climb. After eight months of surreptitious digging, the men, minus West, who had trouble getting into the ventilation shaft, they left him behind because he was too thick. Same. Um, (laughs) Had created pads to the roof. They placed dummy heads made from soap and concrete, plus hair swiped from the prison barbershop in their beds so guards wouldn't notice they were gone. Once on the outside, they blew up a raft they had made from raincoats using a uh, concertina, an instrument similar to an accordion, and then they oh, vanished. That makes sense. So I didn't this know is that literally a thing that like Adam and Jamie created. They oh. made like a raft out of raincoats and like like tried this. Yeah. I mean, they didn't do the like prison escape part, but they tried to see if they could make a if raft. If they could just to, do yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
The next morning, their bunks were discovered to be empty, and authorities began a manhunt. The raft was found, along with some personal effects, but no bodies ever recovered. The case was closed in 79, but got renewed in, renewed attention early in 2018 when it was revealed a man claiming to be John Anglin had written to San Francisco Police Department in 2013, oh saying fucker. that he was alive but in need of medical attention for a cancer diagnosis. No, d- diagnosis. So it's like, hi, I have cancer. That's how fucked U.S. healthcare is. Um, hi, I escaped from prison. Can you please help me? It's like, I, I escaped from Alcatraz. I now have cancer. I need to seek treatment. But uh, I escaped from Alcatraz, so I need you guys to, like... Be cool about it. Just be cool about it. Although, like, what's the statute of limitations on escaping from jail? That's what I wonder. The case is closed in 1979, so I'm I mean... I'm gonna Google it. Because, like, there's no statute of limitations on murder, but I don't think he was in there for murder. And, like, yeah, I guess they could get him because he had escaped without serving out the full amount of his sentence, but, like... I don't know. So, handwriting analysis and DNA testing on the letter were inconclusive. So, if it's genuine, then maybe so is Anglin's claim that both his brother and Frank Morris made mm-hmm. it to the shore alive, living decades oh. as free men before Frank died in tw- 2005, followed by Clarence in 2008. So, he says that he's still alive and these people died in 2005 and 2008. Presumably of old age. Right. So, it's like... Natural causes. But they can't prove that no. this guy is him. Also... Apparently, the statute of limitations for a jailbreak is three years. Oh. So, like, he could very, he could very well come forward and be like, yeah, I broke out of jail. What you gonna do about it? It happened 50 years ago. <laughs> All right. And then I'm gonna share just one more short one. Hit me, hit me, hit me. <laughs> Tupac. Oh. Yeah. So, puzzling details we need to get through about the murder of 25-year-old rapper Tupac Shakur. Yeah. On September 7th, 1996... On September 7th, 1996, Shakur was in Las Vegas to watch Mike Tyson in a boxing match against Frank Bruno and was riding with rap mogul Marion Suge Knight following the fight. That was a very 90s sentence. It was. Both men had run-ins with the law in their past and both flirted with danger in rap's criminal element. Earlier that night, the two reportedly got into a physical altercation with members of the Crips street gang. Later, while driving, the men stopped at an intersection. A white Cadillac pulled up and opened fire. Knight was grazed by a bullet, but Shakur was hit four times, twice in the chest, once in the arm, and once in the thigh, and was in bad shape. He died of his wounds six days later. Of many witnesses, only one came forward, a backup singer for Shakur. Um, Before he could try to identify any suspects or submit to further police questioning, he was gunned down at his home in New Jersey. No one's been ever arrested in connection with Shakur's murder. And because of that, I think pop culture has, like, really wanted to run with that and yeah. say, like, oh, he's not really dead, yeah. or it was a cover-up, or all of this. I mean, wasn't Tupac's mother a famous Black Panther, or... Oh, um, I don't know that. I know he was very close with his mother. Yeah, she was in the Black Panther party. She's not... Yeah, she was in the uh, uh, Black Panther party, but, she, yeah, it was, like, she was a huge activist. There might have been people who think that... Maybe, you know, as like, what do you call it? Like payback? Yeah. Like, after the 70, after, well, she's like, she'd been acquitted of other things, like arrested about being Black Panther. Mm-hmm. After she was acquitted, she actually didn't return to the Black Panther party and she just like decided oh. to like live a quiet life after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And then I know there were also people that tied it to Tupac's ongoing feud with Biggie. Mm-hmm. And Biggie ended up dying six months later. I believe he was also shot in mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. I chalk it up to 
something that I heard on a podcast the other day. It's been a minute with Sam Sanders where he was interviewing like teen activists mm-hmm. about gun violence, like daily gun violence right. rather than like mass shootings. And there was one young woman he interviewed in Oakland. And basically like people are constantly just like being shot or like hit by a stray bullet or that kind of thing. And so I think because we are just like so whatever about gun deaths, even back in the 90s, mm-hmm. and they were like, even though this is a celebrity, it was like, yeah, we couldn't possibly figure out who did this. Yeah. Because we don't care about like gun violence when it's not like a danger to anyone else. Especially, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, that holds true for me, especially because as rappers, both Tupac and Biggie, had this sort of reputation surrounding them in white culture where it's like, well, obviously they're rappers and they're black, so they're from the ghetto and they're probably Mm -hmm. thugs and this, this, that, and the other. So who cares that two thugs killed each other? Right. So. And so it's like the the detectives probably just didn't even try that hard. No, it's just like, I mean, we all knew this was coming, right? This is how they knew it was going to end too. Mm -hmm. And so... Could they ever get a non-biased investigation? Right. Probably there, not. There was um, an incident kind of like that in a book that I read with my students this year where yeah. it was like they never figured out who killed the boyfriend of like um, one of the teachers. Yeah. And it was, it was, a lot of it was because they were like, well, I mean, he was kind of a big gang leader in Oakland. Right. So like it... Who cares that a gang person killed somebody else? And so I think that's what it was. It was just like a lot of just racist it, yeah. non-investigation. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So I think that's Criminal justice that. reform. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Vote on Tuesday. Vote on vote today, you guys. Go out and vote if you're in Super Tuesday. If you're not in Super Tuesday, vote, vote when you get the chance. Yeah. Vote in all your elections, even the local ones, especially the local ones. That's how Virginia ended up super blue last year. Yeah, because bitch. everyone voted in their super local elections. Yeah, we did. Like, it takes you, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. It's it's not hard. And you get a sticker. We love stickers. We love stickers. So, care about your community, I guess, is the moral of the Unsolved Mysteries episode. Yeah. And, yeah, thanks. D- thanks. Demand justice for things. Yeah. Even if they're Nazi spy things? Uh, maybe not for Nazi spy Maybe not spy for things. Nazi spy but things. I want to but invest- for other things. But see, I want that to be invest. I wish that had been investigated right, better. Right, because it might not be a Nazi spy thing. I... No, but I also want to know if it is a Nazi spy thing. Could yeah, because then you don't have to feel sad anymore. Right, but it would also be just like a fascinating World War II history thing. Yeah, where it's like I mean? spies on spies on spies on spies yeah. attacking each other and sleeping around because just because they're spies doesn't mean they're not going to fuck right? other people's wives. Like, come on. Yeah. <sighs> unsolved Mysteries. If you have an Unsolved Mystery you want us to talk about in next week's part two of the Unsolved because Mysteries Because apparently episode, we're going to do a part two. Because apparently yeah. we're going to just keep doing this to ourselves. Go ahead and email spoophour at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at spoophour. And you can just, you can DM us. Just say, hey, this is something that I'm interested in that I've been thinking about for centuries. What what do you guys think? Like, go ahead and email us those because there are definitely other unsolved mysteries that I was going to try to talk to. But again, I'm I'm in the witch elm now. You're so in the witch elm. I'm in the witch elm and that's so- fine. Sorry about it. Sorry, not Sorry. <laughs> So thanks for listening, you guys. Have a great week. Go vote. Show us your voting sticker. And we'll send you a sticker. That's a lot of stickers. Double stickers. Double stickers. Oh, my God. What does it mean? So intense. Suspectacles. Hey, guys. My name is Tara. 
And my name is Jessica, and together we co-host the podcast, Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal or murder, join us every Monday as we tell our listeners about a new spooky tale or true crime case. We'll have a special drink recipe each episode picked out by me for you to enjoy while we scare the hell out of you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever the hell else you listen to podcasts. Come hang out with us and get your spooky on. 